1: Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh, And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. We're here live at the AI World Government Conference in Washington, D.C. It's June 24th to 26th, 2019. And we are thrilled to have as our guest today, Arthi Garg, who is the Emerging Market and Technology Director at Cray. Thrilled to have you here. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Thanks. It's great to be here. Yeah, welcome, Arthi, and thanks for joining us. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your current role at Cray.
2: Okay. I joined Cray a little bit over a year ago to head the development of our market and technology slash product strategy in AI. I'm part of a sort of unusual team at Cray headed by the VP of AI. And I say unusual because we're very much focused on a specific application space to identify how we can move into this application segment. My role here compared to my background is a bit of a change for me until as recently as a year ago, I was working primarily as a data scientist and in data science team lead roles. And so it's a bit of a transition to be more in the strategy space and on the business side of things. However, I will say that as a data scientist, I frequently found that maybe a quarter of the role is actually thinking about product and actually thinking about business because you really need to think about how people are using data science and what they do. So in that sense, it's not a major change for me. Prior to working as a data scientist in the commercial sector, it's very exciting for me to be here at AI World Government because I used to be a civil servant. I used to work at the Office of Management and Budget overseeing R&D efforts at the Department of Energy and Advanced Computing. So this is really exciting for me.
1: Yeah, I know that you also have a rich background. Maybe you can go back because you have a number of degrees. And maybe just for the sake of our listeners and our audience, you can sort of tell us a little bit about that past and how it's brought you to kind of where you are right now.
2: Yeah, so my background Is in astrophysics and in aerospace engineering. I have a PhD in astrophysics. And sometimes I joke that I was a data scientist before that was a term because, as a researcher, and I won't talk about exactly when, but I was dealing with fairly large data sets at the time. Maybe today they wouldn't seem super large, but at the time, multi terabyte data sets were very, very large. And we were developing the techniques to process that data very quickly as it came off of telescopes and then developing models to make decisions. Decisions about what to do with the telescope the next night.
0: So it's been fun. <laughs> and at AI WorldGov, I know that you gave a talk here. So for our listeners that weren't able to join us, can you give a quick two-minute recap of your talk? Definitely. So, I was speaking in part of a seminar on how
2: agencies or even commercial entities might choose which vendors to use in the AI space because the AI vendor landscape is fairly complex. And the purpose and the focus of my talk was really to say, actually, don't start by thinking about this overwhelming landscape of 3,000 plus vendors. Start by really defining what it is you want to do. And once you've defined what it is you want to do, you can start to think about what the data you have would help solve that problem. And once you know what you're trying to do and what some of your data needs are, it becomes much easier to select the right technology vendor.
1: Yeah, and I think that's interesting because the technology landscape, we write about this quite a bit yeah. at Cognolitica, We track about 3,000 vendors in the landscape, which is actually a subset of <laughs> this is just in the AI machine learning space. And of that, like, you know, 70% are like at these industry and domain specific things, applications to specific, you know, like medicine and sales and marketing and finance and cybersecurity and agriculture, right? And then of course there's enabling technologies. How are you seeing the sort of landscape of AI vendors and kind of the, the diversity of ways in which AI is being applied?
2: That's a great question and I think you almost already hit on it in the sense that there is kind of almost a bifurcation in the vendor landscape where I tend to think of there being platform solution providers and so they may be infrastructure platform providers or they may be software platform providers just generally enable people to adopt AI. At Cray we actually provide both systems for running your AI workloads on as well as software tools to help people get up and running with some of the latest open source software tools that are out there and then of course we are seeing increasingly these hyper focused
0: on single vertical solutions and I think that trend is we hope you're enjoying this podcast and sorry for the brief interruption Cognolytica not only produces the AI podcast that you're listening to right now, but we also generate research and advisory to help companies make sense of AI and cognitive technologies.
1: We also run the most authoritative, vendor-neutral AI and machine learning training and certification on the market. If you're looking to make AI a reality for your organization, our three-day Cognolytica training is for you.
0: If you're interested in attending, you can find pricing and registration on our website at Cognolytica.com. We'll also provide a link in the show notes. We've met many of our podcast listeners in our classes, and we hope that we'll see you there as well. Now back to the podcast.
2: Trend is going to continue over time and probably some of these solution providers will start building on the platform tools. In fact, they already do.
0: When people think of Cray, they often think of massive computers solving some of the most challenging computational problems, but you're more than that. You do other things in addition to that. So how does Cray help government agencies further their missions at a more modest scale, especially with regards to AI and cognitive technologies? Great question. So yes, I think many people often
2: don't recognize that we offer smaller cluster-based systems and often for many AI applications, especially at this time, these are the right size systems for most organizations' needs. So for example, recently the U.S. Geological Survey purchased a Cray cluster system to enable their scientists to integrate deep learning into the mission-focused work that they already are doing. This is enabling USGS to better leverage the petabytes of Data that they curate and collect from a really wide variety of sources. As an agency, they have been leveraging this data for a very long time. But by adding a cluster system that is specifically focused on enabling AI, they are able to incorporate better techniques and more advanced techniques into the work they already do.
1: Yeah, it's definitely very interesting. I know that one of the things that people talk about, you know, data is sort of the soul, the heart of what makes AI work. You know, it, Fundamentally, AI is mostly about managing data to give computers and machines a way to learn from that data. So obviously chewing on that, you know, where does our Cray come into this picture from the computing and the big data side of things because obviously at the Mary on the one hand, yes. the computing ability, which of course Cray has a long history and then of course the big data ability. So kind of curious how you see these two worlds kind of coming together.
2: Yes, great question. So one of the things that often doesn't get talked about or isn't always appreciated is the extent to which especially with the most advanced AI models and applications and techniques like deep learning, having sufficient storage and having high performance storage, in many cases very similar to this type of storage capabilities that you might have on a more massive supercomputing system, is critical to making sure that the computing technologies that you're using get data at the rate that they need to consume it. And so part of our portfolio of products not only includes a variety of different types of compute blades based on different processor types, but also high performance storage so that we are increasingly finding to be adopted in a lot of different AI applications because of its importance to enabling, I don't want to talk too much about technology, but some of the specialized processors,
0: GPUs that are used to run deep learning models. So I know that you mentioned a few examples, but what are some of the applications of AI that you're seeing adopted in the government and how are you helping with
2: this? So one key application that is actually relevant to a fairly broad variety of government agencies is geospatial object detection. So basically using AI to identify objects in satellite imagery. This application is relevant for topics as diverse as improved weather forecasts and national security. So we are having these conversations within the U.S. government and also with governments in other countries about some of these applications that once again enhance work that they're already doing.
1: Excellent. So on this next question here, I want to understand a little bit more about, you know, what some of the most important factors the should consider, because we're here at the government, so obviously yeah. the government applications are slightly different than, say, the finance and healthcare. So what are some of the most important factors agencies should consider when investing yeah. in AI computing?
2: Yeah, so I think, as I sort of talked about in my talk yesterday, any agency, or really any organization, should always start by defining what it is they're trying to accomplish with AI. And so I mentioned the USGS. In this case, once they were able to sort of look at what is it we're really trying to do, they realized that what they needed to solve at the agency level was providing the right platform for agency scientists to be able to do the deep learning, advanced AI work that would enhance the mission-related activities that they were already doing. And I think it's really important to be able to define not just AI as an end, but what is it that we're trying to do and how does it support the agency's mission from, again, is true even in the private sector. But I think one of the things that is important for a government agency to consider is that the better they can define how AI will be utilized to enhance their agency's mission, the easier it could be for the procurement process. Because in some cases, you may be in a situation where you're using vendors that are not standard vendors. Many AI vendors are actually just completely new.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up because I think, you know, AI has been around for decades, but it still feels new to a lot of people and they need to wrap their head around how can my organization, how can my agency, how can my department use AI technologies and how do I get broad adoption of that? So it's interesting, but I wanted to go back to your previous answer about weather and how you were helping to, you know, make better predictions on that. I know that Recently, machine learning has done a lot to help with weather predictions for things such as hurricanes and give people a day or two extra notice, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's huge when you're talking about a major weather event and people need to evacuate. So can you give us some examples of how you've seen machine learning help with weather and what that's doing for, you know, governments and civilians? So I think at this point, a lot of the weather agencies
2: around the world are really experimenting with some of the most advanced AI techniques They have always incorporated observational data into weather forecasting, and really what they're looking at is the next level, and also being able to not just look at AI on the data they're collecting, but also using AI to maybe better understand some of the models that they develop, the simulations they do based on data collection. So I can't speak to any specific events right now, and I think in many cases, they're still trying to figure out how to incorporate some of the most advanced techniques into what they're doing but it's a very active area at some of the big weather offices around the world.
0: Yeah. So this has been a very informative podcast and we're very happy that you were able to join us. I'd like to end by asking where you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to corporations, governments, and beyond.
2: So, that's a really interesting question to consider right now as the landscape sort of sorts itself out. And I think one of the things that's starting to change and starting to come to the forefront, at the end of the day, AI is a tool for solving problems. It's not an end goal. So, both agencies and large corporations are thinking about how can AI improve the processes and the business outcomes that they are already pursuing, just as government agencies are doing. And I think that one of the things that's enabling this is how much advancement there has been in making AI tools easier to use. And so the focus is shifting back to subject matter experts who might really know the area where an agency or a corporation wants to apply AI. And they're starting to think about, how do I build that solution to solve my specific problem? That feeds back into the discussion we had earlier in this podcast about the vendor landscape, because what I suspect we will start to see, and frankly, we already are, is kind of this, there are platform technologies and platform vendors, and then these vertically targeted vendors. And Whether a company or agency decides to buy a vertically targeted vendor to a specific problem that they have will probably depend a lot on what kinds of skills they have in-house to otherwise use the platform tools and also just the size and maybe their willingness or ability to maintain an in-house team to develop those kinds of things. So from my perspective, it's a super exciting time to see AI move from a thing that people are trying out in a little bit experimental into something very operational that's changing the way people run their businesses or run their agencies.
1: Yeah, well, obviously we clearly feel the same way. That's why we've been recording this podcast. By the time this is published, we'll be well over 100 episodes. So, you know, clearly we're enthusiastic just like you are. So we really appreciate you participating and being here and sharing your insights and being part of this amazing AI World Government Conference. So thank you very much for joining us here on the podcast.
0: Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. And listeners, as always, we'll post any articles and comments concepts discussed in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter, and more, please visit our website at cognolytica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group, and make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes.
1: Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link.